Could you please call the roll? Alder Clausius. Alder Clausius absent. Alder DeMarco. Here. Present. Alder Palm. Present. Present. Alder Schmidt. Here. Present. Alder Subek. Present. Alder Subek present. Alder Revere. Here. Alder present. Mayor Sotomayor absent. Quorum's present. Mr. President. Okay. Thank you. Next up, we have approval of the minutes. Could I have a motion? So moved. You don't ever have minutes. Do we have a suggestion? No, we don't do minutes. Yeah. Oh, I'm looking at the wrong agenda. We're like the council. We're like the council. We don't have minutes that we ever look at. It's been a crazy day. Oh, here's the one I'm looking for. Right. Sorry about that. Public comment for this is for items not on the agenda at this committee, I believe. So we usually give people the option here. Yeah, we have three speakers for item 18. If they wish, they're available to answer questions. So we will save them for item 18. Any disclosures or recusals? Alder Subek. I'm actually just wondering if we have an extra agenda because the city website does not seem to be loading for me. Thank you. I'll take a moment now to look for separations on the agenda. If you have one already, you can call it out. Alder Palm. 6, 10, and 15. Okay. Alder Revere. Thank you. I have questions on number 3, 5, and I'd like a staff presentation on item 18, please. Okay. Actually, did you separate? I have a quick question on 17, too, please. All right. Any further separations? Seeing none, could I have a motion on the balance of the agenda, which is items 1, 2, 4, 7, 8, 9, 10, 12, 13, 14, and 16? Move to approve. Second. Motion and second. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Didn't I say that? I didn't hear that. Sorry. All those opposed? Motion carries. Yeah, and as separations, just to reconfirm, I had 3, 5, 6, 10, 15, 17, and 18. So... Item 3, authorizing Summit Credit Union as qualified public depository for the City Treasurer's Certificate of Authority. Could I have a motion? Could I have a motion? Go ahead. No, you go ahead. I can second everything. Second. Okay, thank you. Mr. Gwanda, I suppose you want to... Do you want to... I'll just ask my quick question, Dave, and actually your email of today to the board answered my question, but it... But it was specifically when I first read this resolution, I had no clue in the world why we were doing it, what we were doing it. And then when you mentioned the green program in your email, it made all the sense in the world and explained why the co-sponsors are who they are and why Summit. My question is, was there a reason why, and I realize the city attorney's office drafted this, but is there a reason why we don't explain that in the body of the resolution anywhere? Um Let me give you the kind of view that the resolution is taking. Uh, we have a certificate of authority that's issued to the treasurer. Uh, mine goes back to 2008 when I assumed the position. And it lists all of the financial institutions that I'm allowed to do business with. It lists most of the banks that are in the county, but it doesn't list uh, any of the credit unions. Uh, it's never really been... A, uh, an issue uh, until this particular situation came up. 
So I think what the city attorney's office did in drafting this was focus more on here's the list of all these institutions. We want to add one more. Boilerplate what's required by statute. Yeah. And just to give you a little more color from the email this morning, so when the WEC, Wisconsin Energy Conservation Corp., told the city it wanted to get out of administering the Green Madison program, not only get out of it for the city of Madison, but Racine and Milwaukee also, each of those three municipalities had to figure out who was going to administer it. And in our case, it was decided that we'd administer it in-house. So with the two institutions that held funds, First Business Bank and Summit, we had them transfer the money to our bank, U.S. Bank. However, one of the accounts was a reserve account because Summit had actually underwritten some of the loans, and they required that reserve funds be set aside in case there were defaults on any of the loans. So understandably enough, they weren't interested in that money leaving Summit, and that's why we needed to get to this. If it weren't for that, we would have consolidated everything as we did at U.S. Bank. This wouldn't have been necessary, but it was because of this one specific reserve account that we had to go through this particular pathway. I understand. Thank you for the explanation. Any further questions on item three, Alder Paul? Well, it's not a question, but upon reading his email, I wanted to, I guess I'll disclose that I am, too, a member of Summit, since that seems to be Alder Sudeik. I'll make the same disclosure. Oh, yeah, I guess I am, too. I have an account there. So same disclosure here as well. Obviously, it's very high in my mind. So any further discussion on item three? Seeing none, all those in favor, please say aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Thank you. Five. Five. Motion on five, please. Move approval. Second. Is there a second? There is discussion. This is authorizing the mayor and city clerk to sign an agreement with Holy Name Catholic Center for payment and business services. Hold that for a reason. I separated it for a question. Maybe Mike, you could address it, because I can see your office drafted it. But that ACA isn't present. Maybe, Mr. Schmidtke, now I think about it, were you involved in these discussions? Somewhat, just in some discussion around the PMS. Okay. So anyway, my question is, although we have several PMS payment for municipal services with various entities in the city, they've come to us, from my experience over the years, in different forms. For example, just keeping the Catholic theme of this, this resolution, the former Holy Redeemer grade school has a specific dollar amount that is included, CPI indexed. This one, though, is very vague, and I'm wondering, is that because we honestly believe that, you gentlemen know, that the property will remain on the tax rolls? We don't know. That's the problem. Some portions we think may remain taxable, and some will remain tax exempt. So the problem with coming up with a specific number, as opposed to a formula based on which portions of it are taxable and how we would allocate the cost of service to those, is that at this point in time we're not certain exactly what's going to be taxable and what's going to be tax exempt. And then in the resolution, the formula really isn't 
specific as I've seen. I'll give other example. I'm using ones from the fourth district, but Capital Lakes retirement community they have a specific formula that uses you know as is the case here, but certain agencies and you know other agencies that wouldn't be part of their PMS. Again, is, do we know has this been followed? Is this a new kind of format for how we might go about these where we don't have a specific formula, just a kind of a vague reference to a future formula? That, that I don't know. The, you mean the specific areas that I referred to that would be used to, yes, to calculate the PMS? Correct. Yeah, I'm not, I, I don't know where that came from. I wasn't that involved in drafting this. I assume it was well, through discussions with finance. But yeah, this sure. is the similar approach that's used for um, Capital Lakes, Oakwood, places like that. So we take what is listed here as the budget figures for those areas. Uh, then we need to know the number of units and that's effectively how the formula is calculated, sort of the total budget, and you divide it over a number of units, and then you sort of charge that payment for municipal services by unit, depending on the number of units that are tax exempt. Okay. So, again, the reason why this is vague is it's currently taxable, and we perhaps don't know the number of units that will end up being constructed. That we would construct this formula. Okay. All right. Thank you. Oh, further questions or discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor, aye. 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 Opposed, no. Motion carries. Does that take us to six? Six. Move approval of item six. Second. Second. Discussion on six. Uh, well, I just wanted to. Hey, Mike, is, are you are you the tag you're at for this? I drafted this, yes. Okay. Um, He's a ghostwriter for Rob. Right. Uh, I'm just sort of. Give him the credit. I mean, you know. Um, so how do we expect to have the? Ink? Well, first off, you have a typo in the now therefore it re-resolved, um, and then uh, offsetting increased revenues. So what are the increased revenues? The well, increased expenses. Uh, when we originally planned this, uh, I think we based the numbers on up to 50. And uh, as we got into it, we realized there's a possibility that we could go over 50 attendees. You know, all the attendees are free, so the sponsors cover the attendees' costs. And secondly, we discovered it was customary if, a, say, a mayor from out of town is going to be one of the speakers, it was customary to pick up their travel expenses so we hadn't budgeted for that either. So the 20000 would have cut it really close. So we were projecting it more like uh, between 25 and 30, and I didn't want to come back a third time, so I rounded it up to 35. Right. But I'm just – I mean, this talks about offsetting increased revenue. So that sounds like we're spending money. So where does that – are we net net or no no we're net net uh, maybe it's okay, so, not worded so so there so someone is reimbursing us for those expenses the sponsors will be the offsetting increased revenues okay and so that okay so we're held harmless but we just have to do this in order to yeah we're only authorized for the budget we're only authorized at 20 right now okay just wanted to make sorry sure. about that if that was confusing further discussion seeing none all those in favor aye Aye. Opposed, no. Thank you very much. Ken. Move to accept the report. Second. second. Discussion? I just wanted to have an opportunity to 
hear more from you. A couple of highlights, a couple of challenges. Explain, for example, why the nearest station is not always the quickest to respond. Also, in the detail, for example, why in some instances it would be better to have a fully equipped response rather than a partial response. So to the first point of geographically closer doesn't always mean quickest, and I think these two terms are getting interchanged way too much politically probably for my liking. Geographically closer does not mean quickest because of the staffing differentials across the county. The city of Madison and the airport fire department in Dane County are the only two departments that are fully staffed, i.e., they're the only two departments that have staffing in the stations and staff all of our rigs with full-time people. The cities like Fitchburg and Sun Prairie now and Middleton's have paid on call. They're essentially volunteer firefighters that primarily respond to the station. They also do have some full-time staffing. It might not be enough to put a four-person rig together. Why the four-person rig and the like-for-like service is so sticky in Dane County is because the city of Madison is the only department in Dane County that follows NFPA 1710, which the council has adopted. The mayor supports annually, which places four people as a minimum per fire apparatus. All the other departments, with the exception of the Dane County Airport, and they have to meet some different federal standards and different federal guidelines because of the airport. All of those other departments in the whole county operate off of 1720, which is the volunteer, essentially the volunteer NFPA code, which puts no minimum requirements for staffing in. So it's allowable under 1720 for a department to send one person to a call. Chief, can you explain why four on a rig is a standard we've adopted? The biggest reason we've adopted four people on a rig is because of the federal requirements for two people in, two people out. If two people go in to make a rescue or to do a fire attack, we need two people on the outside as their backup. And those are federal OSHA standards as well as the state has adopted those standards. Therefore, if two people show up or three people, they can't affect a rescue or perform any fire attack or any internal things in a building until another person would show up on a scene if they only had three. So that's kind of the highlight and the big challenges in staffing models. Obviously, cost is a huge challenge for staffing models, and that's why many departments in the area go with some full-time staff, some paid on premise, which means they're being paid maybe a small hourly stipend to be at the station and then primarily volunteer support. Any further questions on that kind of area? I have two questions. First of all, could you tell me how McFarland staffs? They have, I believe, two full-time firefighter EMTs, and they would be at an advanced EMT level, which is below our paramedic level. 
and I believe they staff 24-7. Okay. With just two. But primarily they, they um, have volunteers that come to the station. Okay. And then did I understand you correctly that you said some stations will send out one firefighter? It, it just depends on the agency and their comfort level. If, if uh, in their policy they're not, let's say, for example, they want to meet a minimum response time and they have one or two people at the station, they will send a vehicle, yes. Okay. And then just other firefighters meet them at the scene? Or? Yes. Okay. Yes. Right. Or they respond to the station and pick up other apparatus and other equipment. Okay. And that's where we get into lengthy response times. Sure. And it's also questionable, in my mind, as fire chief, is one person or two people effective initially? Um, and, and, and it just depends on what they're assigned to do. And quite honestly, one person can make a big difference and make a fire go a lot worse um, if they do something improperly after they arrive by themselves. So Thank you. they could potentially jeopardize more people on a scene. Alder Palm? So, uh, I mean, you got a couple of next steps. But where, where do we truly, on a philosophy point, need to go or next steps? I mean, so of the 28 fire departments in Dane County, currently there's about 80 agreements in existence for auto aid primarily. And auto aid is really used as a staffing model augmentation. And so, for example, if Fitchburg goes in the southeast part of their area, they automatically request Oregon or Oregon Fire Department automatically comes. And they do that so they can ensure that they get uh, the right amount of staffing on scene within the right amount of time because as an individual agency, um, they can't. The challenges the city have and, and the challenge for me as fire chief in the city of Madison is my primary responsibility is to protect the citizens in the city of Madison. So if the county arbitrarily decides, like they've, we've seen evidence of in the last couple of months, arbitrarily decides to send the closest agency, that'll impact the city of Madison a great deal because we'll be seen as the closest agency many times. And if we have a fire engine, for example, that goes to Fitchburg or the town of Madison or the city of Monona, that leaves our residents unprotected. And that's what makes me a little bit uh, concerned. So at this time, I would advise us not to do border drops until there's better staffing across the county. Thank you. We hear about a lot about the Danecom radio system chief mm -hmm. and what and the challenges that it has. Mm -hmm. Is it in shape yet where we could realistically engage in border dropping and communicate with other agencies? No, and quite honestly, it was taken down, I think, before we ever had a chance to try and test the two systems. So the city of Madison is on its own radio system. DaneCom will be a different radio system, and I'm sure you've read in the paper and heard probably your constituents on the county board talk about the underfunding of that whole system and that it, it doesn't have the coverage that they had hoped for when they underfunded it. Um, we don't know what's going to happen if they ever turn DaneCom back on uh, as far as patching our two radio systems together because it hadn't gotten to the point where we could test that yet. So... Um, 
even if we wanted to do borderless dispatching or border dropping today we would have a major a pretty significant communication problem that for example if the town of Madison came into the city our two agencies wouldn't be able to talk consistently enough at this point we're relying on kind of outdated technology to make that happen so the way it works now with the under mutual aid mm -hmm. dispatch advises your personnel to switch to a county channel no, we don't have the capabilities of switching other than in our ambulances. Only the right now they have to create a manual patch between the two systems. And and so they call it a patch, and they basically take the, the Dane County channel and they match it up with the city channel. And that's when DaneCom, and if DaneCom ever comes on board, that's the technology piece. We don't know how effective that will be yet because it hasn't been in a test phase yet. And currently it, it uh, works to a point until we get too many talk groups going and too many people talking on the radio, and then it becomes a challenge, so we typically disconnect that patch. How does it work today for the medical calls when you say that the medic units... So now let's, people? for example, if Med 6 on the south side went with Fitch, Fitchburg's Engine 1 on a medical call, Med 6 actually has a county radio that they can go directly with uh, that county unit. I see. So each of our medic units have yeah. a physical yep. county radio in them. Yep. And it's somewhat cost prohibitive to put it in all the fire engines. So, thank you. Any other questions? Okay. Seeing none, all those in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries. Item 15, authorizing execution of First Amendment. To the contract for purchase of light study services executed between City of Madison and MSA Professional <coughs> Services. Can I have a motion? Motion to approve. Is there a second? I'll second. Thank you. I forgot you were running the meeting. Yeah. <laughs> Alder Palm? So, uh, this was uh, me pulling off. I couldn't find in the language where we were executing. I mean, we, I, I know we're executing an agreement, but I don't know where we're light studying. So can you help me put that in context? We um, entered into, back in 2013, we entered into a contract for sort of blanket services right. for blight studies. Um, on average, that's been about 30000 a year over the last couple of years. That contract uh, matures in 1231 of um, 2016, okay? Now, what's happening now is that, based on our current contract, the vendor has requested that um, they increase some of the rates because it's been a while. We do not have the authority of staff to, to do that, so we have to come to you so to this make is make that amendment. And then in 2016, wow. we would, and then in 2016, we would rebid the entire contract. So this isn't actually doing work. This is just mod correct because the execution of a First Amendment. To me, is a little. It sounds like we were doing something, but so this is a contract modification, if yes. you will. Yes. Okay. Right. Changes everything. Any other questions? Seeing none. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed. Motion carries. Item 17. Authorizing City of Madison to pay ETF $138,718.54. Etc. Um, could I have a motion? Second. Thank you. And 
Thanks for hanging out. Sorry to pull this for a quick question. I just wanted to confirm that what we have before us is identical to what we previously discussed in closed session. Absolutely. Okay. So there's been no change since that conversation at this table? No change. Okay. And there's no updates to provide on any other front? No, not at this time. State chance. Okay. Thank you very much. Further discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor, aye. Aye. That takes us to 17? 18. Motion? Approval. Second. Second. There is. We have three registrations. Victor Cruz, Conrad, Mike Slavish, whose handwriting is getting worse, all supporting and be able to answer questions. All set? Okay. Well, I was hoping, thank you, Mayor, when I separated this from the consent agenda motion, I was hoping that Joe would simply go through his staff report for us and provide us the highlights, including the key fact that there's no exceptions to TIF policy. Correct. Every once in a while that happens. This is the project for the property at 316 West Washington Avenue, or the AT&T, commonly referred to as the AT&T building. The building was recently purchased by Hovde and out of receivership. The building was constructed in 1970 prior to the state implementing mandated fire suppression for multi-story structures. So, in essence, the project was grandfathered in to have only fire suppression or sprinkler systems on floors one through five. So floors six through ten do not have that. In subsequent to that, the developer learned that in bringing the property back up to sort of marketable condition, there are a number of other significant improvements have to be made, including putting in new windows, asbestos remediation, the elevator replacement, all that sort of thing, which becomes quite pricey. The total cost of the project is about $29.2 million. Bank financing is about $18.6 million, with equity injected by a developer of $8.5 million, leaving a gap of about $2,050,000. The developer initially requested about $2.8 million of TIF. We were able to work with them and bring that down to $2.2 million, which is 55% of TIF, which is well within acceptable range through TIF policy. All other guarantees, mortgages, all that sort of thing is in line with policy. It's a very clean project in terms of underwriting. The cause of the gap is obviously fire suppression, environmental replacement, windows, a number of other significant improvements. Additionally, because we're using 55% of TIF, an additional $1.6 million would be available for other costs in the district. It's located in a district that is being proposed to be created for this year, so we're in the process of doing that. It would be TIF district number 45, which we'll be launching pretty soon. 
the best estimated value at stabilization is about $20.9 million. Currently, the property is about $5 million in value. Um, the prior year, it was at about $8 million in value, so it was actually de- decreasing in value. Um, again, being in receivership, losing tenants, and um, physically deteriorating uh, impacted its value over time. Uh, the average increment per year generated by the project is about 281000 uh, which would um, is forecasted to pay off in about eight years, which is also a really good um, number for, for us, us to do. And we're certainly available, Matt and I, to answer any questions you might have. I have one quick question. What did the asbestos rem- removal add to the cost of the project? That was over a million dollars. Further questions? Seeing none. Oh, is that a hand up or a? It's phrase? a hand. Well, I, maybe it's not even a question, but a statement. But I'm looking to. Thank you, Mayor Staff, just to confirm this. The uh, applicant has stated that uh, disbursement of the city funds is not needed by them until the first quarter of 2016. That is correct. So I just wanted my, my colleagues to know that that we don't have to worry about a budget amendment or internal borrowing uh, this year. Uh, and luckily can wait until next year to deal with that with the, this fall budget process. Thank Good you. discussion? Thank you, staff. Seeing none, all those in favor, aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. Move adjournment. Second. Second. All those in favor, aye. 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 Opposed, no. Motion carries. Went very well. Strong statement about supporting the police.